from Riverside, California, where I'm trying to record this intro in between trash trucks coming down the adjacent alleyway. This is the e-commerce content creation podcast. Twenty twenty three was a strange year, and for many, a tough one. For this week's guest, Katie McCumber, twenty twenty three found her focusing her attention on what she truly enjoyed shooting. And she found in this convergence of her work as a photographer and her passion for active living, a niche. Katie encourages folks who are feeling stuck after 2023 to consider niching down. And she makes her case in this episode. All of us are afraid of niching down because if you choose one lane, then it shuts all the other lanes off to you. That's the idea. That's the fear. And I would say that's not true, (laughs) first of all. We cover a lot in this episode, and it's a bit longer than usual, but it was a really honest conversation that I really enjoyed, and I wanted to share it with you almost as is. So my apologies to the various commuters and joggers who rely on this podcast to keep time. This is the e-commerce content creation podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Jester. Joining me for this episode, uh, photographer, director, creative dinner host katie mccumber (laughs) welcome to the podcast hi thanks so much for having me (laughs) it's uh truly my pleasure and honor to host you on this podcast i can't imagine anybody who listens to this podcast that also follows me on linkedin doesn't also follow you you have a way bigger (laughs) following than i do (laughs) so uh not that that's what it's about because it's not about that daniel it's It's not about how big the audience is It's, it's it's so weird already that I'm like I I like every time I have to reference it, which it comes up so much more than I would expect. I'm always like I have this like weirdly big following on LinkedIn. I don't really know how to talk about it, but I have all these LinkedIn friends, so like the conversation just kind of comes up a lot. So yeah, and you weird. know I think it, and 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 I will also say that um, you and I live in a niche of LinkedIn that I think is generally pretty supportive and uplifting, and I think that's not true of a lot of other because LinkedIn is like every other social platform in that it's siloed by industry and probably also siloed by industry and political ideology to some extent because you can find some pretty nasty areas of linkedin sometimes i've definitely seen some weird posts yeah 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 but we exist in an industry where most of us enjoy spending time on linkedin and interacting with our fellow coworkers, and the conversation is generally pretty good and organic and um, and it's still kind of growing. I think it's like explosively growing the last few years and still kind of heading that way. Um, so yeah. it's hard, but it's hard for us to talk about, especially with people like friends of ours at our age that don't work in our industry that are like, what are you doing on LinkedIn? Yeah, all like, the time? Why like, are what you, are you doing why that? Are you Even there? friends that are in this industry are like, wait, am I supposed to get on LinkedIn now? <laughs> yeah. One more thing I want to ask you that I feel like could devolve into something slightly off topic that I want to get out of the way before we get into our topics that we want to touch on today which is I went on your website. First of all, love your Favicon logo. A little like industrial yellow with the bold outline in the C. It's like it it stands out on my tab bar. It's That's amazing to hear. And it's a copyright Um, logo, which is kind of just fun. (laughs) Oh, right. It is. Yeah. But the yellow, the yellow didn't really like, I don't know. My mind went like industrial caterpillar and like, but then (laughs) like your, but then your page also is a lot of outdoor which is going to, mm-hmm. I think what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about for this episode, niching down uh, in this creative climate, what that did for you last year, and what we think it could do for a photographer going into 2024. 
I've seen mm-hmm. it around other places, but it, you you had, uh, you know, 2023 was a weird year for a lot of people. It was a hard year yeah. for a lot of people. We heard that feedback a lot. Yeah. But there were some success stories. And I think one of those success stories is is maybe thinking about focusing on a niche within uh, photography, within product photography, within commercial photography. Yeah. Right? So yep. back to your website, activewear, <laughs> it's gorgeous. You load up the website. First person you see, Megan the Stallion. I have to know, Nicki Minaj, <laughs> Megan the Stallion. Where do you land? Is your website a statement or do we need to I dig mean, in a little ooh, bit? That's a hoo Is it a statement? That's such a, such a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I got to go Megan the Stallion at this point only, well, for maybe some more political reasons, but also, um, <laughs> but also because she's so damn cool. Like, I mean, she that was so such a dream. Cool. She, she's so cool in real life too. Like she really did not disappoint. And you know how it is. Like, I think most of the people listening to this podcast have had some weird interaction with a celebrity on a somebody they were some really point. excited yeah really and excited like, to get to dreams know were let yeah. down. don't meet your heroes yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's super great to know because i'm a huge fan of megan the stallion i'm team so megan all the way <laughs> i think she is like I, and here's the thing i like Nicki Nicki minaj like i, sure, I yeah, the whole she's talented. like sure. I, I like the i like that entire sort of generation that entire sort of spectrum like yeah i'm into all of it but Megan Thee Stallion is like a level of artistry that not everybody's operating at. That's kind yeah, of the bottom line for me. And the fact that she's amazing. cool makes it entirely different. Like I left that day, like, how do I hang out with her? Like, I want to, she was just so fun. Like she was like such a positive, uplifting, like had time for all of us. Like, you know what mm. I mean? She just yeah. was a lot of fun to work with. So that was, and so that was that's really why you niched down to only photographing <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion in 2023. <laughs> No, she did have her own photographer that was with us the whole time too. So <laughs> I, I, I mean, honestly, if you're somebody at that level, right? Yeah, you have you, some, have, you have a professional following you around just for the social media content, just yeah, for that exactly. stuff, right? No, it's um, like the dream. But yeah, no, yeah. I mean, but tell that... me, so tell me about 2023, and I encourage everybody listening go to Katie's website. It's, I mean, everybody's got a great website these days, but um, still, not everybody knows how to curate. And I think Katie, you've got it figured it out. Leading with Megan Stallion is a great start. <laughs> um, <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people don't know who she is, by the way. I, well, that's like unfortunate the, a lot for them, of people but, haven't recognized. I know, totally. Yeah, it's but also, they, I, I, my perspective on this, and I learned this perspective on life from <laughs> my boss at Farfetch, Lindsay, uh, and I'm blanking <laughs> on her last name. I'm very sorry, Lindsay. She's at Playboy now as a producer. Uh, yeah, nice. Yeah, super interesting. Um, or at least the last time I was aware she was there. But anyway, Lindsay's perspective on this was not to shame somebody who was unaware of piece of culture that's important to you not to shame them for that <laughs> but to view it as a fact that they get to experience it for the first time yeah. which you don't have that anymore you and i don't have the opportunity to experience megan the stallion's art form for the first time but somebody who doesn't so know true. who she is does have that <laughs> I opportunity and i think a that's stand. a better way to approach that <laughs> that's hilarious who would have <laughs> like known? if your friend hasn't seen one of your favorite movies you're like are you gonna be get mad at them or are you gonna be like man i get to watch this with somebody who's never book. seen it before <laughs> yeah it's so true <laughs> Truly. Okay. Yeah. I, I see your point. I see where you're coming from. Um, yeah, no, man, last year was crazy. Last year was nuts. And I really appreciate what you said about my site and like it being well curated. I think that like, that was kind of a huge, I don't know. Like, I feel like the clouds cleared when I decided to niche down and like, I was able to see my work in kind of a different way. And, and I was able to like curate it. I was like, it makes sense all of a sudden, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I feel like it's all real cohesive now. And I know where the gaps are and how to fill them in a cohesive way. 
So it's really mm-hmm. been like, that's been the best part about picking a niche. It's just like, it's decluttering my mind. Yeah. And so looking sense. at your website, it absolutely makes sense. Looking at your website, the niche that you've kind of happened into and tell me if I'm, I, I'm going to tell you what I'm sensing. Okay. And you can tell me if it's more specific than this, because I could get more specific, I think, but it's definitely active. It's definitely a lot of, it looks like a lot of on location outdoor stuff. But if I look at your portfolio tab, you've only got three sections, active location. Okay. You do have active studio and then healthy lifestyle, which let's jump into healthy lifestyle. It's uh, more outdoor social activities, it appears, but very similar in style to the sort of active wear part of the website. Do yeah. you feel your niche is more specific than that? Or are you just focused on active wear? Or are you focused sort of, I was going to say the specific part could be sort of equitable active wear and representative active wear, but I don't want to put that My, specifics on it. I've been, it's funny. I'm like still kind of trying to figure out exactly how to define it in a way that it makes sense for other people, but people seem to be getting it. So it's I, not something I'm totally concerned with, but sometimes I'll be like, I'm a fitness photographer. And then other times I say active lifestyle and other times I say healthy lifestyle. It's like, I'm still kind of figuring out exactly where to put it because it, it rides the line in between. Like I'm not necessarily shooting people like pumping iron and doing, you know, doing some really hardcore thing. It's a lot of like athleisure or like fun run or, you know, there's a lot of, Mm -hmm. it's more, it's more like rompers um, on a beach cruiser. (laughs) Which is one uh, yeah. of your shots. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, well, don't say no. Healthy lifestyle. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> it, can be, it can be a little broader. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know? Um, yeah, sure. it's it's somewhere between. It's like the, the athleisure just like people being active. Um, so let me ask you this. It's kind of a chicken eggs question, right? <laughs> did you niche into this because the opportunity existed with projects that were coming your way? Or did you consciously decide and sit back and say looking at everything I've done for the past X number of years, how long have you been active as a photographer? Uh, 11 years, 12 years. So looking back over the last (laughs) 10 years of your career, looking at your portfolio, did you notice that some of your favorite work had been here and decided to move that way? Or did the project start coming and you said, I can use these existing projects to parlay into other projects? It's a, it's a combo of those, both of those things. Um, And also just like, this is what it all comes down to. It's not, it's not the buzzword of niching down. It's the buzzword of authenticity. Mm. Um, I, in my, I have two lives. I have photography and then I have all the fitnessy sports that I do. Those have been for my entire adult life. Those have been my two worlds that I exist in. Um, all through my twenties and early thirties, I was like real big into the rock climbing community. Mm-hmm. And that was like my thing that I did outside of, shooting like i'd finish a shoot and go straight to the climbing gym and hang with friends mm-hmm. um and then every rock climber is a masochist and so we all would do like a different sport on our off days because you can't climb every day of the week so i would i was a runner for most of my 20s also and now it's like okay my body really hurts so i do a lot of like yeah, yoga and right. fitness classes <laughs> suffered a career-ending injury yeah. on the stairs outside the gym <laughs> at it's 35 not, or whatever <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, photography, holding like a 15 pound camera and stuff doesn't always help either <laughs> so. yeah yeah you get that you get claw hand where your fingers like oh swell God. up into the claw position like, that's the worst i get like hunchback that's my that's my yeah. cool thing i get and that's like yeah. climbing paired with shooting combo i had a i had a doctor tell me once that this tightness i felt in my hip was or or, yeah my lower hip area 
was probably from photography. It was probably from yeah. trying to get into position to get the shot. <laughs> He's like, do you Definitely. stretch? I'm like, no, I'm stretching. He's like, what do you do for work? I'm a photographer. He's like, do you ever do this thing? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we all, like, none of us consciously realize all the weird positions our bodies are going into when we're shooting yeah. because you get into this weird tunnel brain. But yeah, 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 I mean, ha- you, you ha- yeah, right. Because you're, you're chasing composition. Your, what your body is doing doesn't matter. You're you're trying to get that one last millimeter, get yeah. that one last <laughs> tilt of the angle to get like, the horizon. There's so the way many you weird photos of me tucked into like a bush or like under a table or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like always in some weird spot, um, just trying yeah. to get the right angle. <laughs> but so anyway, back yeah. to so you're you're getting older. Your your hobbies, you know, they, 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 I get it. They get a little bit harder. The injuries take a little yeah. bit longer to recover from. Uh, but yeah, this but, is something that you know still, a lot like, about. Very active. Yeah, this is like the yeah. world I live in outside yeah. of shooting. And so I always shot like fitnessy, athleisurey, whatever you want to call it, active lifestyle. I've always shot this way, and I've always had those clients. And it has been the work that I've always thought was the most dynamic because I don't know. There's something about shooting active stuff. It's like you can pull back and get these really cool angles. You can like work with light in a different way. I don't know. There's something about it that allows for this like sharp cleanliness that I really love. And in my work, there's a lot of like feminine masculine, but like I lean pretty masculine. And so there's, I don't know, there's just this thing with it that I'm, I feel really like I've always loved and that that clients, I guess, have loved or whatever, because they've always come to me for this. And so it was like the combo of I had clients that were coming to me for that. It felt like that was sort of natural, like pushing towards that world exclusively felt like a natural transition once Mm. I decided to do it. And then I did have like a pretty robust portfolio already to work with in that world. So it just made sense. And like all the contacts I had, like I have so many friends that I could be like, Hey, you want to go for a run right now? Like I, I know how to make that stuff happen, you know, and fill the gaps. So it, it it was like an authentic, natural progression of my career that I'm shocked. It was like right under my nose and I'm shocked I didn't do this sooner. <laughs> so functionally, what did it mean in terms of like bidding jobs? It was a combination of things. So you're like, I got, I have access to some of the jobs that I want. And then did you just decide to like consciously see like who else is out there that I could potentially do similar or, or expand the work I'm able to do into their brands. Like functionally, what did it look like in terms of going after clients or, or I guess the bigger question there is like, how active are you in, in going out there and getting clients versus just kind of working through your network? Cause I know there's plenty of us that have big enough networks that that can sustain you to some extent, unless things get really slow. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm like, I've always been a big uh, promoter, like marketing, I'm, marketing and strategy, I really like. So actually, like cleaning this stuff up and making it really obvious what the strategy could be made mm-hmm. it a lot easier to go after uh, specific clients. But honestly, last year, it was as soon as I decided to do it, once I niched down and like, I just tore my book apart and re- put it all back together and tore my Instagram apart and put it back together. By the time that was done, all of a sudden my whole summer was booked. Like, I'm not even joking. It's mm. like, it's like the the sky opened up and they were like, okay, cool. You figured mm. it out. Like here's some jobs. <laughs> mm. um, so I don't know. It was really weird. And a lot of, a lot of the jobs that I got last year did come in because the active space isn't, there aren't that many women living in it, <laughs> mm. um, shooting in it. So it was a lot of jobs that were like female centric and they wanted a female photographer, but we're having trouble right. finding people. And 
So I immediately like kind of rose to the top of that um, category, which is really mm-hmm. cool. I mean, there's definitely other women doing it and doing it really well. I don't want to. For sure. Yeah. There aren't. <laughs> No, but, but I, you know, but I mean, everybody, everyone, I, well, I shouldn't say everyone who listens to this podcast knows how it is. Cause there's a lot of like studio leadership type people who haven't really worked in this world, but any photographers listening kind of understands there's these pockets that sort of these overlapping pockets, especially in LA where everything's so spread out. There's these overlapping pockets of like photographers that work with these stylists and those few stylists work with these other photographers and everybody's got to cut their jobs and, and most people kind of have their clients until it's time to let them go. And then you try to pass it to somebody who you yep. hope can help them, <laughs> you know, the way that you want them to, uh, but it, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, there's tons of people doing such good work. I want to throw an observation that I've, I've made recently out there to you. Yeah. And I, I want to like, I'm going to, I have to say it really carefully because uh, it's going to be easy to disagree with immediately, but this is not, I want to okay. be careful about what I'm I'll saying. I'll take a beat. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I am, I have been reviewing a ton of like portfolios, looking for different examples of certain types of photography in different sort of categories for a lot of things. And the one of the one of the things that I'm noticing is that there isn't an underrepresentation of men in e-commerce media, but there it does seem that no one's using those images in their portfolios, like on their own websites. So you can see it in the campaigns, but when you go to the those photographers websites, they're not necessarily sharing that and it's really hard to find great examples of men uh-huh. in somebody's portfolio sometimes because they just tend not to use those images. Is yep. that something that you feel like you've seen or noticed? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I notice it within my own work. I'm like, when I'm choosing images, I have to like consciously choose to put pictures of men in my book because it's, I don't we know. I think that it's good looking. No, I'm just kidding. It, <laughs> so, there's plenty of very good looking is, men. It's like Henry there's Cavill so many exists <laughs> in this world. So like. Send links. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, really? Okay, perfect. I'm going to get to introduce you to Henry Cavill. Speaking of first timers oh for everything. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> um, no, I think it's like there's other there's so many elements that you get like get with women like e-com isn't the most exciting thing to look at in general. Right. It's not like we're not making art when we're shooting e-com for the most part. At least I, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, you know, but here's the thing. So I've some, seen some, some people, people out it. there are. I've like, seen some people do it. The portfolios are getting better and better. And if you look at somebody who's really good at curating, every shot they did was for an e-com job and every one of it I would say has artistic merit. Like they put yeah, way more okay. thought and I, into it. You're no, not it, wrong. But that, but I, you're I'm, not wrong. No, I would have said the same thing as you, Katie. I've, I have said the same thing as you. <laughs> I said it countless times to photographers at every studio I ever managed, which is that like, if you shoot something here that you can put in your portfolio, great. But that's not really the goal. The goal yeah. here is to make money, get paid, and hopefully you, you like marginally improve your skills through repetitive tasks. That's the way that I always looked at it. I think um, that that's... I mean, I think, yeah, I think you're totally right. But I, I know what you mean about like, I, um, I freelance with the gap studio sometimes. And honestly, the lighting for banana Republic is really beautiful. And every now yeah. and again, I'd be like, yeah, it's a beautiful shot, but it's like, it's hard to connect to it as like a beautiful shot because you're like, okay, on to the next 700 shots. Like, 100% Katie. And I'm going to tell you the secret to rediscovering that is something that I've done with myself recently is just going back and looking at old stuff, like combing through yeah. all that old boring shit and realizing yeah, like, Oh yeah. Like I was paying attention because what I'm telling the students at art center is like, you can make amazing photography for e-com in the studio. And what it basically boils down to is how you're using negative space and how you're placing models in that negative space. And you can really elevate somebody's look if you are paying attention to that stuff but you're yeah. usually moving so fast that you're not paying that close of attention. So it happens True. by accident, but all of us have shot so many hundreds of thousands of images for the last 10 to 15 years in this sort of e-com environment 
that it stands to reason that there are, you know, there's plenty of people out there who are producing work that is definitely like high, like would, would go. I, I personally think going into the future, people will look back on this era and will find there will be photographers whose work will be famous and most of it will be stuff they did for Ecom. Like I'm, I'm finding people's That's campaigns. Whose interesting. Work, <laughs> I'm finding people whose campaigns, whose work on their campaigns looks as good as anything like Irving Penn ever shot. Truthfully. Like <laughs> no, I know. I'm Honestly, honest. I'm like, being honest about that. I know what you mean. I mean, the, I would, I would argue like Gap specifically, like Gap brand itself. Um, shout out to that whole team, by the way. I know they're listening. Shout out to that listening. whole team. What's up, Curran? <laughs> yeah, Curran for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i think that like the gap like they're they hire great models they have great uh wardrobe stylists and makeup artists and everything and and like you know even though the lighting is set it's like you get to a lot of the times you get to play with like you know focal length and all of this stuff and make really interesting work for them so it's not like the thing is is like five years ago ten years ago i would have been like stoked to take some of that and put it into my book (laughs) Yeah, And now, but I think it's like something about when you're in the space every day doing it, you're just like, it doesn't matter. It's just like, it becomes sure. like fast food or something. Yeah, it's- for sure. I hundred <laughs> percent agree with that. And I, it's, it, this is just, a, a, this is kind of a thing that I get to sit and think about, especially because this semester, my class at art center, my schedule is such that I'm taking the train out to LA. And so I have a lot of time to just think, <laughs> think. and philosophize <laughs> about things. And I've been th- like, it got, it also got me thinking like, what about some of these photographers whose work we revere today who are like, you know, like I, I think about this because again, I think a lot about Irving Penn. Like I look through some of his yeah. books and I'm like, any one of these shots somebody included in this book could be something that he, if he were alive today, he'd be like, why the fuck did you dig that up? <laughs> like yeah. That is the dumbest little studio test. I hated it at the okay. time and I hate it now. And we're all like, look at this master of photography. <laughs> like that will happen. That yeah. will happen for people in our generation of photographers. I think the critical element is we need to be printing our work. I think we need to be printing our work and keeping physical portfolios because there's no guarantee that your hard drives are going to survive. And so I implore all of you. <laughs> yeah, I implore all of you 10 to 15 plus year professional photographers who've been working mostly digital and maybe aren't in the habit of printing. I don't make it a big thing for me. I just go to Adam Prince. They're not sponsoring this podcast. I wish they would. Adamprints.com. <laughs> they have a lot of cool papers to choose from high quality prints, but I've been printing pieces that I think that I, like if, if I die and somebody finds my work and really likes it, here's what I think is the best of my work. In That's a printed really book. interesting. Cause I always, I think, I think about that and I'm like, if I die, I hope somebody throws my hard drives in the trash. Oh yeah. Cause there's some real bad stuff in there, dude. <laughs> not, like you, def- you want to leave a legacy, not but garbage. I'm also like, <laughs> I don't know if I want in a weird way. And this is going to sound crazy. But I don't know if photography is the legacy that I care that I care about leaving. Like if somebody, what I always really loved, uh, there's this photographer, and I'm completely blanking on his name, but he made these really beautiful portraits of prostitutes mm-hmm. um, back in the day. Fine art, like didn't tell a soul because it was probably you know ground upon. But he mm-hmm. made these like stunning portraits of prostitutes, and. Uh, they weren't discovered till after he died, of course. Mm-hmm. And like, he became pretty well known in the fine art world as a result. And I'm just like, would he have wanted that? <laughs> Did yeah, he... maybe this was something super like, yeah. Private. I, I mean, I'm I'm blanking on the TV show, but this was the plot of some TV show recently that I when I brought this up with my wife, she mentioned it, which was that I can't remember the show, but Van Gogh like gets sucked into modern day. 
<laughs> and is just completely shocked that anyone cares about the work that he made, like completely yeah. shocked by it and doesn't know how to deal with it. Doesn't like, it's very emotional for him to process. It's really, it's really profound to think about. Yeah. I um, think I would be more pissed off. I'd be like, why, why now? <laughs> Screw like, you yeah, guys. I could, Hey, listen, my water heater <laughs> broke that summer. I could have really used some print sales to kind of yeah, like, back this shit up. What yeah, about for sure? <laughs> I was doing it for before. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's I, right. maybe I, how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, I, we completely lost the plot of whatever the original question was, but that was a super uh, fascinating conversation to have with you. It's something I've been thinking yeah, about fun. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've thought I've turned over every stone at this point with photography. Like, I'm a I'm an overanalyzer for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Do you think whatever. of it, Katie? Do you so when you you mentioned maybe photography isn't the legacy that you want to leave? Do you do you feel like you get any artistic? fulfillment or creative fulfillment from the process of photography or is it for you is it is it a job or is it somewhere in between because I totally understand all of that like I compartmentalize it for me I like when I'm in my studio and I'm shooting the thing I want to shoot it's meditative and it feels creative and it's very fulfilling but when I am working doing photography I'm working doing photography and it's business Uh, all of the above again um yeah (laughs) no I think it's like I I definitely, I mean, you know, those jobs that you're on, you're like, "Ah, this isn't really what I like to shoot. Or like, Mm -hmm. you're just, you're in a spot where you're like, I would never pick this spot. Like, this isn't good. And you're just like, you're battling yourself internally the whole time. And you're like, this doesn't feel good. And then you have those jobs where you're like, this is fucking awesome. Like, you get so juiced. Like, when I, when I make the stallion jobs. Yeah. Like, when my energy's like on fucking cloud 20, I'm like, not even cloud happiest. nine. We're way past cloud no, nine. No, it's at this point. it is irrational, irrational joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. But make how much any do you sense. think that might be? Just the way that you. Man, this is going to get really weird and deep. People are going to turn Let's this episode there. off. What? How much <laughs> of that do you think might just be like how social interactions feed your? Um, it's for me. It's completely self. visual. It's, it's like, complete, okay. So you you you're aware of this for yourself that it is visual. visual. Okay. Yeah. It's like I, I'm like, oh, this fucking looks great. Like this, I I could, in a weird way, there is like the energy exchange of like the social interaction that obviously sure. has to play yeah. into it. Right. But like, it's like I almost can't even see the person anymore. Like I can because I have to direct them. But it's like it's not even about that at that point. Right. It's really cool that you're specifically aware of that because I've been, this is another thing I've been thinking about as somebody who went from working in studios for 15 years to working at home alone in my own studio by <laughs> myself with no one to talk to ever at all. Oh my, my nightmare. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think like I, I mean, just to be really vulnerable about it. Shout out to Kelly from a few episodes ago talking <laughs> about vulnerability. <laughs> I, um, it's been really difficult and I didn't understand. I don't think I understood that what was feeding into that difficulty. And it was not, it was, pr- it was fairly recently that I noticed that I need to get out of the house. I need to start my day with, with interpersonal interactions with live human beings. Yep. And so I have to, I have to walk to the coffee shop. I have to get out of the house. I have to talk to somebody and chit chat with somebody. Otherwise it's so easy for me to fall into this like dark hole of procrastination and not getting things done. And then yeah. it made me realize, like, what do I do I love about working in the studio? Is it the photography or is it how it fed me sort of socially? And it, it, it kind of fulfilled that part of me. That's a really important part of who I am is is being. Yeah, social. it's funny. It's funny because it's um yeah, I feel you entirely. It's really interesting for me because it's twofold. Like I'm a very social person, but I'm also I get I get actually a lot of anxiety when I'm shooting. 
And I mm. don't think I've ever said that out loud. Mm. Um, but like, Heard it's it something first, about <laughs> if you can relate, if you <laughs> drop can relate, a comment. Being a, little, being, being a little nervous about a shoot. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't mean to diminish it's it. It's not no. even nerves, though. I, it's no, literally I get it. anxiety. It's like performance anxiety or something. Yeah. It's like, because um, it's like you have to talk to the models and the talents talent mm-hmm. one way and then you have to talk to the client another way and mm-hmm. you're so fucking scattered because you're also directing your crew so mm-hmm. you're trying to like keep it all together but or like if you get start getting excited about a shot or when i do i like i try to communicate what i'm dealing with to the client but i'm just like just i don't know just sit back and watch like <laughs> yeah it's like everything gets a little too chaotic and then um I don't know. It's like the performance of it all or something is it gives me a lot of anxiety, but I do love like, there's no bigger high, right. than like coming back from a day with like a group of people that like collaborated well and were really fun to work with. And you got shots that you know are good. And I don't know. It's confusing. It's It's a confusing feeling. It is. No, there is a like, it's an emotional high and low that I think is, is, <laughs> yeah. is not, I, I won't say it's unmatched. I know there's other people in other <laughs> industries that feel the same way about their work that we do, but I, I do think it's something pretty special. I know like yeah. for that year plus heading up to, right into COVID working at the commercial studio and conveyor every day that we had people in the studio, it was the most stressful day of my life. Every time I woke up and at the end of the day, it was like, we did it. We hit every shot we needed. That was for me, it was as a producer because I wasn't shooting. We were hiring photographers Mm. as a producer for me it was more like i don't want to have to be a huge asshole to everybody to make sure we get the workload done but we have to get like like i want i wanted it to be fun but at the same time like i'm going to tell you i'm going to tell you i somehow managed to successfully introduce a shot timer with a client who was very precious and we made it fun somehow it was pretty shocking but that I was like, look, if we want to, if we want to get this done by the end of the day, we only have six minutes per look and we can't spend any more time Holy on it. Shit. And so, yeah, no, I'm that's serious. So and intense. I'm like, and that's such an e-com move too, right? Like you see that shit in Amazon studios. You don't see that when yeah. your clients coming into your arts district studio and like, but it, it was really important to me that I was like, look, and I think I found the right balance for it, which is to say like, you need to get the most for your money. What we agreed to, and we, I, it's my job to get you there somehow. And I'm, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want everybody to stay late. I don't want everybody to like, I don't want it to be a huge stressful thing. Yeah. We just need to be aware of how long we're taking to do things. I mean, I, I, this is why I don't want to be a producer ever. <laughs> I hate having yeah, to I don't know if I could do I it again. So really. guilty. Yeah, yeah. The guilt is like so high, but I've definitely been on sets where I'm like, the producer is not calling those shots and I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at the client. I'm like, you guys, we're not going to hit this unless we get moving. Like you go. And then I'm the bad guy. I have to like, be like, you guys have to make some yeah. decisions like right now. Otherwise we're going into overtime. It, it's, it really yeah, is such a fun. It's such a delicate balancing act when you have all of those people on set, like everything from, from whoever's like, you know, I mean, everything producer, photographer, digitech, stylist, assistant stylists, everybody like, if any one of those little bits is like not functioning the way that they should be within certain sort of parameters, it can really throw a thing into chaos. And then kind of, in some cases, you know, affect the reputation of people. in kind of an unfair way. Like if, if, if Katie's the one who's like, finally is like, we're not going to get this done and we need to do something. And then that rubs somebody the wrong way. It's like, well, the producer was the one who dropped a thousand percent. Yeah, no, I know. Way off into (laughs) other territory now. 
<laughs> but I'm, I'm such sorry, a direct wanna... communicator. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. Let's pull it back. <laughs> I want to direct us. Yeah, I just want to direct us back and kind of wrap up the niching down conversation. So, just like I think, if you had a message to photographers going into 2024, how do you? How does somebody? If they want, if they, if this is like, I bet there's photographers listening to this, or somebody's going to share it with a photographer who's like, maybe they've been thinking about this. Maybe they're thinking about adjust, making some adjustments to their business. Where would you recommend somebody start to decide if this is for them? Is it reviewing their own work and and doing a little soul searching or what do you think? I think, I mean, I think all of us as photographers have thought about it at some point, first of all, and you'd be lying to yourself if you said you hadn't, but like all of us are afraid of niching down because if you choose one lane, then it shuts all the other lanes off to you. That's Mm. the idea. That's the fear. And I would say that's not true. (laughs) First Mm -hmm. of all, if you have, like I was hired for jobs last year that weren't just fitness and it was by new people who didn't know me. They just liked something about my presence on LinkedIn probably. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I, you know, it just, living in that fear is not going to help you. Like if you've ever had an inclination, if you're like, I feel like I could do this one thing really well. If you're feeling like overwhelmed and chaotic and how you are approaching your, your work, like any of those things, just what do you have to lose? Most people didn't work a lot last year. Anyways, what's the worst that could happen? Not going to work a lot this year too. I don't know. True. Yeah. Kind of. We got it all YOLO a little bit more. I think. Yeah. Know? Well, that's a good segue into the next thing because this is a movement that, um, I've been seeing and have now been made aware of through various like. There's there's always been these sort of corporate events that are put on in our industry. Like Henry Stewart has them. The Pixels Flow event is not really fair to call it a corporate event. It's a pretty good event. Um, but anyway, the point being that there's these <laughs> events that happen. But there's also been uh, we've seen sort of an uptick in like local meetups with creatives and and certain things. And, um, you know, in the past, there's always been like creative mornings and some of those things. But these feel like they're more organic and it's more like a lot of people specifically in our industry um, feeling like they can get together and kind of chat about things. And I feel like part of this is coming out of that silo and realizing that we're not necessarily all in competition with each other. We're all just trying to make a career for ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so. You to that end, that was way over winding up the the thing here. To that end, just last night you hosted a creative get together dinner. Um, tell us about that. How did that come to be, and and how did it go last night? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's where do I start? Yeah, um, you 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 expressed this up front before we recorded that you're still kind of uh, you're digesting it a little bit as we go. So yeah, so we'll give you a little bit of space here to to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I guess, honestly, everything for me comes back to LinkedIn at this point. It's so embarrassing. It's so um, embarrassing. You should be. We all should be. Mortified. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I started talking on LinkedIn about my qualms with the industry during COVID because I was YOLOing. I thought I'd never work again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or I right. was like, I, who yeah. knows what's going to happen. So yeah, I might as right. well just let everybody know how stupid they've been <laughs> but like in a productive way <laughs> sure yeah but but, you, but i think I, I think it's fair to say that you are known for being really honest about in the way that you say it and i think that a lot of people appreciate that very much from you that's the thing is i i started doing it for me and then i i didn't really even think people were going to appreciate it and then they did and i started getting this kind of community of photographers that was really interesting and weird for me. So I was like, okay, I've got all these photographers listening. How can I, how can I talk? Like, I guess I could talk to them and I could, you know, 
it's probably a lot of people who are maybe a little newer at their career or in different markets or whatever. And like, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be young at this and to have like a lot of doors closed in your face and feel kind of, you know, like a fish out of water or something like that. And so I just started kind of talking to that community in a way that I was like, look, I've been there too, guys. Like we've all been through this thing or like, Hey, I've got your back. Like this is dumb that this thing happens. Like, cause I have a lot of creatives I follow or that follow me as well. So I'm like, let's, let me bridge this gap here for people. Let me talk to the creatives about the stuff that photographers hate and like help people Mm. feel seen and heard while also hopefully educating some clients. That was kind Mm. of the goal. Um, so then I, you know, I had all these photographers kind of like, I don't know, like doing messaging me and there's all this community being built around that. And I was like, okay, that's really interesting. Um, how can I kind of parlay that into a real life event mm-hmm. where photographers and creatives can kind of get together and like everybody in the industry and just take it down a notch. You know, you go to like a portfolio review and it's like the photographers are there to please the creatives and we're there to make sure everybody likes us. And it's, I don't like, I didn't want that energy. I wanted the energy of we're all just humans. Mm-hmm. We're going to eat a meal and hang out. And like, see like take the pressure off of everything Hmm. um and so yeah i was like i went to a creative uh dinner like a a dinner club thing for women a couple weeks or months ago now and i saw how it kind of worked in real life Um, a producer was hosting it and so i was like okay i really this is what i want to do like i'm Hmm. gonna make this happen and and then I posed it on LinkedIn, like, would anybody go to this? I opened it up to like everyone, inclusive of like all genders. And so many responses came in that were positive that I hmm. just was like, all right, I'm going to do it. Like, how's January 30th? If you guys, if somebody, everybody's available or anybody's available, like apply here, I'm going to curate a list of 15 to 20 people um, and have you guys come eat dinner at my house. <laughs> Yeah, and it was nothing bad has ever happened when you've invited strangers (laughs) from the internet to dinner at your house (laughs) the amount of conversations i had last night where people were like yeah i was like a little worried ever like should i be worried am i gonna am i and then i realized i'm going to your house and that's probably scary for you too that's scary for yeah there's a everybody's scared for everybody yeah right yeah so yeah now let's let's acknowledge we're all scared and we can get down to business here um i don't know about you katie That's fantastic. I don't know about you, Katie, but I've had more than one of the like lens deal off Craigslist that was too good to be true. So I texted everyone I knew where I was going in case I was killed (laughs) because it's like, why is he selling it for a hundred bucks? Doesn't matter. It's a hundred bucks. Like it's worth the risk. (laughs) Yeah, we, I've definitely been there. I've, I've like stalked people on the internet. If I'm selling, if I'm the one selling gear, I'm like looking people up. I feel like I, (laughs) I feel like that, that should be the expectation now. Like, is it like, why do we even pretend like you you aren't looking up every person you've ever met in your life had more than a passing interaction with like, you're not trying to find them on Instagram. (laughs) Exactly. Unless it's your Because why not? Yeah, I know. Um, well, Katie, yeah. I would love to come to the next one. I know you invited me yeah. to that one and I just completely forgot to, 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 I didn't, I didn't look it up to be honest with you. So I didn't even know what day <laughs> it was, but I didn't realize it was that close last time we had talked. Um, but I think it's really cool. I think it's really fantastic. And, um, I am 
so grateful for you for coming on the podcast and talking about your year last year. And I th hopefully people get something out of this conversation, photographers, especially looking into 2024. I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about 2024. I know that the con conversation around the economy is confusing uh, and that people's feelings don't necessarily align with, I think, the data. Um, mm -hmm. but I will say that just be conscious of opportunities, maybe slightly outside of the ones that you're normally used to. If you've been getting booked a lot at certain brands or retailers, you know, you and I had this conversation, Katie, your personal experience has differed a little bit from mine, uh, as we discussed, like gap really reinvesting in their creative services, which by the way, I had a long conversation with Curran and his, and some of the gap team at uh henry stewart in la last fall and we they actually we specifically talked at that event about how hard they've been working to really turn that um, imagery into something that, that really stands out and so i think they'd be all really excited to hear that feedback from you katie i know i i, I made it very clear to them that i think they're on the right path for one yeah. thing they, they booked the most handsome model that i've ever seen in my life Drop um, who, a link <laughs> i don't know his name he's the guy who does the buck the buck mason all the time you're scrolling Instagram. I, there's no reason that you would get a button. I'm like thinking ad, of Katie. Remy, but you probably, it probably wasn't Remy. Cause I don't I've never know seen if his name is Remy. I, don't, I can't, she might've told me when I, when oh, I brought it up, oh I have God, a screenshot wait. of him um, on my phone because I'm a lunatic. Oh, so like, name? he's so handsome. He's so Brown stunning. Hair. Yeah. And you scroll, you're scrolling like along kind of a, and he, a nose. Why am I blanking he does have kind of a nose and he's um, such, he's so perfect he's for banana Australian and he's like the sweetest. He's Australian? Yes. Oh my yes. God. I know. Does that do everything for you? <laughs> it really does. I'm, I'm so sad. I'm blanking on his name entirely, but no, he's like the sweetest guy ever. He's yeah, so I, fun to work with. There I, are a I'm lot like of Australian making listeners. making fun of him because he's got like these boxer shoulders because he's also a boxer. Is he a boxer? He, oh man. I, so I... Shout out to all the people who are from Australia that listen to this podcast, because there are a lot of them. Australia's photography community is really cool and really big. Um, yeah. Your accent makes everything about you 10 times better. Like if you have a lot of good qualities already, <laughs> your accent makes them all 10 times better. Magnifies it's it, at so least for true. Americans. I can't um, believe I can't remember his name yet. Like, yeah, Ryan, I don't know either. Ryan, his name is Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. yeah, well, so that's like two points off because it's too basic. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just oh, um, sorry. No, he, he, yeah, uh, I, the, yeah, the Banana Republic crew. But but anyway, the point that I was making before we got sidetracked by handsome models um, <laughs> is that I, I think that I see that some in-house brands and retailers are not necessarily making that investment. I think they're really evaluating whether they want to be in the business of operating an in-house studio or if technology has made it possible to do things a different way, primarily mm -hmm. being working with outside studios or freelance contractors. So for the photographers yep. and stylists and art directors out there, it's time to start really thinking about what commercial studios exist out there that are, that are growing because they have been growing. Show Labs in Denver has been growing. Straub Collaborative has been growing. Most of the uh, commercial studios that I've been talking to have been like, they ended their 2023 signing some pretty big clients they weren't necessarily expecting. So mm. make sure that yeah. you're investigating all avenues. You might not be working for the brands or retailers next year. You might be working for the studios as a freelancer or potentially full-time, depending on how they decide to structure it. Yeah. I want to like real quick, <laughs> like I want to just like empower anybody that's working in-house and advocating for an e-com studio at their company. Like it is the number one thing that's selling the product. Like e oh, like, I'm glad you said the this. photography Continue. department. Yeah, you know where I'm yeah. at. The photography department of your company is what is literally driving sales. And it's the only thing. It's the only thing driving sales. So to 
to keep reducing prices of all that, to keep reducing talent, to keep like, to try to make it cheaper and cheaper and cheaper every year is the stupidest thing you could do. And everybody at companies needs to start pushing back and pushing back till it reaches the top. Because first of all, it's not sustainable, even as it is the model for freelance e-com photographers and everybody on set, the amount that people are making is only enough to convince them to be there a certain number of days. And then they're only there as long as they physically can take it before Mm. they can get the hell out of there because it's not sustainable a for our bodies because it fucking hurts (laughs) i don't know if i'm allowed to swear you are allowed to swear on this podcast (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i sometimes bleep it out for comedic effect it just depends on which one is better (laughs) i i I evaluate each one hell yeah separately yeah (laughs) love that yeah yeah, if it's funnier to bleep it out then we bleep it i I feel like i want to like really drive home that Rates should not be going down for photographers and econ. It is hard work. It is many minutes and hours holding a camera, doing the exact same thing every day. If you want to retain talent, pay them. Just can't stress that enough. I I said the exact same thing. I'm glad you said this, Katie, because I wanted to, I wanted to, to talk about my class last week at art center uh, and, and send that same exact message across, which is, One of my first lectures for my product photography class at Art Center is about the fact that ever since we figured out pictures can sell things better than words can, we've been using pictures all the way back to when we were etching illustrations on copper plates in order to sell things. The only way that e-commerce works is with the hard work of your creative teams, the only way that it works. And it's the visual creatives as well. I mean, your e-com teams are important, teams running the website, making all those decisions all the technical stuff that goes on, those are all important, but none of them are even a consideration if you aren't operating at the highest creative level possible. And that means yeah. investing in your creative teams because you cannot sell things without images. I, I'm not even going to define what image means. You cannot sell things on the internet without images. Totally agree. And I also makes it makes me want to stage a coup and convince every photographer and every other creative that works in an e-com studio to push back and demand um less like work for higher contracts and uh, yeah. just more money in general it, but that's a that's a more organized yeah, thing. yeah you know there i i would say like any i'm 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 interested like i'm interested in <laughs> I, I i you know i because the thing that i see coming is like new technologies coming in and they're going to need the talents of photographers to do things with 3d models in the future and things like that and that's the other thing I said to my art center students is like, you don't get paid what you get paid because you have a camera and know how to use it. You get yep. paid what you get paid because you know what looks good and you have, know how to make things look good. The tools are going to change in the future. Pay your people what they need to get paid to create for you. It's not about yep. what it costs them. It's about what they know that you don't. Yep. A thousand percent. It makes me wonder, and this is maybe a different podcast, but like do econ. Uh, freelancers need to unionize that's one thing i've thought about specifically (laughs) one can dream (laughs) i I don't like i've thought a lot about this and i don't you know there's much smarter people who know how those things work than i do i'm i because to me it just turns into that thing of like well we just stop booking certain people but i don't know those are hard questions unless everybody unless yeah yeah, i guess that's uh, that's how you that's how it works right we're all supposed to be yeah i don't know uh, it, but it yeah. is a fascinating idea. And I think one that merits, you know, I, again, there's, there's a future, there's a future for us to do this um, yeah, in a way that works for everybody. Young. 
yeah, there's a, there's, there really is a future for us to be able to like empower people to create for a fair wage. Absolutely. I don't see why not. Number, Katie, number one. <laughs> um, phenomenal having you on the podcast. This is a good, people are uh, sorry to anybody who doesn't like long episodes, but I am going to do very little <laughs> editing on this episode. Um, really great to, to talk to you. Really great to connect. Um, ha- people can connect with you on LinkedIn if they aren't aware or connected with you already. Is there any other social media that you connect with people on? Are you throwing your Instagram out there? What, what else Def- do you want to plug? Yeah, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, C-A-Y-D-I-E is how you spell my name, which is that's weird. It, that's important. Type, Katie is spelled very uniquely. In, <laughs> yeah. I am the first one that comes up on Instagram. Um, yeah. And then uh, Creative Supper Club is I, a new Instagram I started to support the dinners. Um, and cool. it just has underscores between the words. So. Creative Supper Club at Creative underscore supper underscore club. <laughs> exactly. Katie, uh, thanks again. It's a great conversation. Really loved having you on and uh, look forward to chatting again in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the e-commerce content creation podcast. Many thanks to our guest, Katie McCumber, and thanks to you for listening. Next week, we're going to have Dan Urbano on the podcast, and he and I are going to exchange notes after a semester teaching photography uh, in a couple of different situations. It's a really interesting, fun conversation, and that will be uh, out next Thursday, a week from uh, today. That's it. Thanks. And until next time, my friends.